in life, we're going to go through a lot of different types of trials. I mean, James talks about going through trials of various kinds and, and there's all kinds of these, these trials of these, these difficulties that we're going to go through. Some of them are large, like the loss of a loved one, a, a, ter- a diagnosis of a terminal illness, uh, losing a job, losing a house, losing a, a car, you know, finding out that you're going to have to live with some sort of physical disability the rest of your life. Those are those are show-stopping items, and and they are they can be tough. They can be difficult to deal with. Sometimes, though, it's actually just the small things that, in and of themselves, wouldn't be that difficult. But over time, they would they add up. Like for example, getting COVID while you're on vacation, and having to deal with that for a couple of weeks, and then two days after you get back to work, your car breaks down. And while you're on the side of the road and your wife comes to pick you up in the minivan, you get inside the minivan and realize that while you had COVID, somehow the cat had gotten into the van and peed, but you didn't know it because you couldn't smell anything because you had lost your smell during COVID. And so now the cat, the car smells like cat urine. And so you, you, you spend all this time and energy trying to clean it up and you just keep moving, moving on. Right. And, and because of being tired of COVID and being so fatigued from COVID, you end up not mowing your lawn for several weeks. And when you finally get to mow your lawn, it's so thick and it's so tough. What usually takes you an hour and a half to push mow takes you an entire day because it's so hot. It's so humid. The grass is so tall. The grass is so thick. And in addition to that, you still aren't breathing completely normal because of COVID. And then the microwave quits. Eh, not a big deal. Except that's an over-the-range microwave, so it takes almost a half a day to get that installed. And while it goes smoothly, you lose another day. And then your back goes out on you again, and it flares up, and you're having a hard time getting around. All this is happening while you start a new position at work. And then the grass gets behind again because your back is hurting, and com- combination between that and the weather, you can't get out there and mow it. And when you finally do, you have the exact same problem again of fighting it for an entire day. Then you come home one day on probably one of the rainiest days of the year, torrential downpours, you come home and you find that the minivan door was left open from 3 p.m. when your wife and children got home from school till you got home at 5.20. And you find not just a little bit of water inside the door, but you find inches of water inside of the baby's car seat, sitting on the the seat of the car, all of the mats completely full, the carpet is soaked, and you do what you can to clean it up. But now, still several weeks later, you can't get the stench out of it. So you finally got the cat stench out, but now you're working on the stench from the rain. And then you're moving past that, you're finally getting past that, but then the van starts acting up. It doesn't want to start right. So you're trying to figure out what that is. Well, you take it to a mechanic. You're there for four hours just for them to tell you they don't know what's wrong with it and sending you on your way. So you do some research, replace the ignition switch. Haven't had any problems since then, but I really don't know if I fixed the problem because the problem was intermittent to begin with. And then you finally think you're moving past all of this. And then on a Sunday night, your wife has to take your youngest to the ER because he's not breathing breathing right because he has croup. So then everybody's exhausted because it's 1 a.m. before you get to bed. Not to mention the baby's not sleeping well because he can't breathe great. 
only to five days later find lice in your oldest's hair. So then you spend, and that was on a Friday night, actually last Friday night, and then you spend all day Saturday delicing the house, washing everything, bagging up the toys, combing out the hair, searching for the lice and the nits. And by the time all this is said and done, you're exhausted. So we go through these seasons of life where you just have so much difficulty. And so if any of you are wondering why I'm a day late on my podcast last week and this week, there's your reason. Just gotten behind on life. And I think most of you can relate. Those are trials. And I don't want to belittle these trials. I also don't want to make more out of them what, than what they are. Any one of them on their own would have been you handle it and you move on. But just the compounding nature of these where they're just back to back they just wear you down peter's going to talk about trials but he's going to talk about a whole nother type of trial not not just these little ones that add up or or the type of trial where it's a major life-changing trial i'm talking about suffering as a christian the trials that come from doing what's right when everybody else is doing what's wrong the trials that come when you're made fun of for Christ. That's what he's talking about here in First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. I love that he starts this with, do not be surprised. Because I think it's human nature for us when something bad happens, we're shocked by it. Now, as Christians, we recognize we live in a fallen world full of fallen people, broken people, that everything's broken. And yet, for some reason, we're surprised when things in our life break. We shouldn't be surprised by this. This is how it is now. This is what the curse has done. This is what the fallen human nature has produced, is fiery trials coming into your life. We shouldn't be surprised by it. It says, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. When we go through these hard times, when we go through this suffering, when we go through the ridicules, when we may, and some of the future persecution that I think we're going to see in this country if we continue the direction that we're going, when we go through these things, we can rejoice. And this is what separates us from so many others. This is what our faith is about because we are able to rejoice even when things are hard. It's We don't depend on our circumstances for our joy. We depend on Christ for our joy. And we can rejoice in our suffering when we share in his suffering. We can rejoice as well because we can, because we will rejoice when his glory is revealed. When we go through our suffering in this life, we can rejoice in it knowing that one day we will stand before him, see him face to face, and be able to rejoice with him forever and ever. And that will be peace. That will be rest. That's what we're longing for. That's what we're hoping for. That's what we, that's what we are holding on to. We can rejoice now because we know, we know, we have this hope that lies within us that we will be able to rejoice with him face to face in the future. It says in verse 14, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Being made fun of is not, it's not a fun thing. I, I mean, we're, you're going to have that happen. Um, I've had it happen to me. People giving me a hard time about being a Christian 
teasing me, making fun of me, none of it major. I mean, honestly, it's really easy uh, to deal with people making fun of you if you actually recognize that what they think about you matters very little in, um, in comparison to what Christ thinks about you. If you care more about what Christ thinks about you than what other people think about you, it won't hurt as much when people make fun of you. But let's be honest, it hurts when you're made fun of. So we have persecution across the, the world right now. Some persecution is physical persecution. It, it's beatings. It's, it's um, executions. It's burning of homes. It's driving people from their homes and, and burning churches down. Right. We don't see that so much in America. But I mean, don't get me wrong. Being insulted. Even here, it says that you're going to be insulted, but you're blessed. And being insulted is still suffering for the name of Christ if you're being insulted for his sake and you're blessed you're blessed that just seems like an odd thing to say about being insulted how is it a blessing to be insulted well remember that christ said the world hated me before it hated you so when you are insulted for the name of christ it is a it is apparent that you're serving him and it is a blessing. It is an honor to suffer for the name of Christ. Now, I don't believe that we should go out and intentionally seek out suffering. And we'll get to that in just a second. But when you are insulted for the name of Christ, it is a blessing. And you need to take that insult with humility and grace. And I'll get to why it's so important that we have the right attitude when we suffer for the name of Christ, not just so that we honor him and all that we do, but we'll get to get to another reason here in just a few minutes. But we have to kind of shift our gear of thinking so that when we are assaulted, we see it as being a blessing and not a curse. It says in verse 15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. So this is this is one of those tough ones, right? As Christians, we have to be careful. One, we don't want to retaliate. It's one thing to suffer for doing the right thing. It's another thing to suffer for doing something wrong. If you suffer for doing wrong, that's on you. You deserve it. If you and part of this, and you have to think about the context of this passage, is that Peter is talking to a group of exiled believers. The natural tendency of humans is that when we're insulted, we want to insult back. When we're threatened, we want to threaten back. We want to retaliate. But we can't retaliate. We have to have love. We have to have grace. We have to show that humility in the face of this, in face of the adversity that we will come across. That It's a tough thing, but you, you need to suffer for doing right, not for doing wrong. So this requires internal examination of your own heart. Why are you in trouble at work? Are you in trouble at work because you're trying to do the right thing and people are throwing you under the bus and or giving you a hard time? Or are things hard for you at work? You're getting in trouble for work because you're slacking off and you're being lazy. I go to that example just because it's one that we all deal with. Right? Does your neighbor not like you because you're a Christian or does your neighbor not like you because you're a jerk? And those are the things that we have to process through our through our heads. It's easy sometimes for us as Christians to get self-righteous. It's easy for us to get built up, say, I'm suffering for the name of Jesus. No, you're suffering because you're being a jerk to somebody. 
No, the world doesn't like you because you're judgmental and harsh. I mean, look at our churches. We have that a lot. I've seen that a lot in churches where people will, where we have that, uh, that I, the mindset of the Pharisee looking at the publican, right? He says, thank God I am not like that publican over there, right? There's no humility there. It's just judgmental. And so if somebody dislikes the Pharisee for saying that, in the Pharisee's mind, he's thinking, well, I'm suffering for righteousness sake. No, you're not suffering for righteousness sake. You're suffering because you're being a jerk. So we need to examine our own hearts. If you're suffering at work, if you're going through something, if, you, if you've got people mad at you, you've got somebody not liking you, whatever, examine your heart. Are you suffering for the right reasons? If so, then you are blessed. If not, then you need to change your attitude. You need to change your actions and your behavior to be more like Christ. It says, yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. You think about Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. We, we discussed Romans 1 in season 1 of my podcast, but we cannot be ashamed. I think this is tough because one of the struggles I've had is, is when I am in the workplace or I am with some people who are non-believers and they start poking fun at Christians. Sometimes it's easy for us to feel ashamed, embarrassed that we're a Christian, not sure how to respond. And, and maybe we shy away from that argument. Maybe we shy away from that discussion because we're afraid of what they'll think of us if they find out that we are actually a Christian. We don't want to be made fun of for it. And, and there's shame in there. And I wish I could say, like I've shared before, when I was in high school and, and teenager at workplace she said she said you're one of those bible boys right and i just said i smiled and said yep and moved on with life i wish i could say that's how i respond every time but the reality is i didn't care what she thought about me but there are people friends that i work with that are Christ, that are not christians that i care what they think about me because because i am afraid that if i if, if I share Christ with them, if I talk about Christ with them, that they're going to end up not liking me. They'll end up making fun of me and I will lose a relationship with them. That's pretty selfish, to be honest with you. Right? Love compels us to speak truth. Love compels us to speak truth in, in love with gentleness and respect and unashamed. So are we ashamed of the gospel of Jesus? But let them glorify God in that name. We do it for the glory of God. We've talked about our purpose being to glorify God, to worship God. We have to do it. We have to stand. We have to, we have to suffer like Christ suffered. With humility, with grace, with mercy, with love for others. We have to suffer the right, for the right reasons. We have to do it without shame. We have to be unashamed when we suffer for Christ so that we can glorify Him, to point all glory to Him. We can't make it about us. We have to make it about Him. It says, For it is time for judgment to begin on the household. Now, this is why. 
right? We need to glorify God. That's our primary purpose. That's one of the reasons we need to suffer for righteousness sake with grace and humility. But here's another reason. It says, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. The other reason that it's so important for us to suffer as Christians the right way with grace and humility is for the sake of other people. You see, we're all going to stand before God someday. That's what it's saying here. We're going to stand before God. And what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? It's a rhetorical question that Peter is asking. What will be the outcome? The truth is, if you know God's word, you know what the outcome is. It's Jesus saying, depart from me. I never knew you. To all those who never placed their faith in him. For all those who never confessed the Lord, confessed the Lord Jesus and believe in their heart that God has raised them from the dead. It's for those who, who are not saved, the outcome will be eternity spent in a place called hell. So when we suffer for righteousness sake, we have to have that grace and that humility so that Christ will shine through. We have to do it out of love for the ones making fun of us, just like those who mocked Christ on the cross. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. See, we have a knowledge that they do not have. And because we have that knowledge, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to endure the suffering for the name of Christ, not to promote ourselves, but for the sake of other people so they can see the validity, so they can see the hope. Because when you go through those trials and you hold firm and you stand fast, it becomes real to people. They start recognizing that it must there must be something to this faith. And it'll cause people to Stop and think, but we have to do it for the sake of other people. Verse 19, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. See, you're going to suffer. And when you do, entrust your soul to the faithful creator. He is faithful. He is faithful. Just let that sink in for just a moment. He is there all the time, never changing, never wavering, always they're saying, I will never leave you or forsake you. When you go through these hard times, you do not go through them alone. He is there with you, faithful. He is your creator. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants what's best for you. And one day we get to spend eternity with him. When you look around the world nowadays, you see it. You see that as Christians, we're going to be suffering for the name of Christ. You see it when you look at pastors being arrested in Canada. You see it when you think back a few years back when, when in Houston, pastors were being required to turn in their manuscripts. You see it when you look at the, at the, the people, the store owners, the shop owners, the, the bakers who have lost their livelihoods because they would refuse to put, uh, refuse to promote homosexuality in their stores. You see it happening in America. So don't be blind to it. Don't think that we're above it. Don't think that we're going to get to escape it. We see it happening. The question is, are you prepared 
to suffer for the name of Christ with grace, with humility, and with love for others, recognizing that those who are inflicting the suffering upon you are not the enemy that we are to be fighting, but the very souls that we are called to witness to, the very souls that we are called to tell that they need Christ, the very souls that we are called to have an answer of the hope that lies within us. Are you ready for that? If I'm honest with you, I'd much rather just sit on the couch and watch TV. But we have to be ready. We have to be prepared. We have to be prepared to endure this suffering. Holding on to the hope that we have and trusting our souls to the faithful creator. Mm -hmm.